Welcome to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. I know you all are used to hearing me start the show in a certain way, but we decided to change it up a little bit today as a tribute to Daryl Grove of the Total Soccer Show. Uh, Daryl was diagnosed with cancer last year and uh, was was doing fairly well for a while. And then on Saturday, they found out that uh, there's there's nothing else that the doctors can do for him. So we wanted to just give a little shout out to Daryl and, and pay a little bit of tribute to him. So I started listening to the Total Soccer Show almost a decade ago, which is crazy to think about. And I, I've never met Daryl or Taylor, the other hosts, but I feel like they're they're friends of mine. And uh, these are people who have shaped the way that I watch the game of soccer and think about the game of soccer with their meticulously prepared shows and their their fun banter on the show. Um, more importantly, Daryl is a, just a really good person. And so if you, you want to know how special of a person he is, just take a look at Twitter and you'll see how many people, uh, people like me who have never met him, are expressing what he means to them. So um, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to Daryl. Daryl, we love you, man. I am Landon Cottom. <clears throat> I made it okay. to my you name. Got so close, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Landon Cottom. I'm joined, as always, by Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I think we'll raise a glass to Daryl here. Here, here. Uh, Jeremiah, what are you drinking tonight? Well, Landon, I'm drinking Tito's tonight because that's pretty much what I drink a lot <laughs> of the times we record. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if all of our listeners will know that, but uh, Jeremiah is essentially a brand ambassador, a brand ambassador for Tito's Vodka. Yeah, we've been known for a long time. So I knew Tito when he was like making bathtub vodka for his like friends and family and foisting it off on him. And he, he <laughs> at some point he met people who like knew how to actually make vodka. And that was a good move in his life because like the original stuff was not that great. It, his last is his last name actually beverage. His name is Bert Tito Beverage. Yes, that's his actual <laughs> name. A lot of people think so. Listeners, you'll be familiar with Tito the dog, who makes regular appearances on the show. Um, he is not named after Tito's vodka. A lot of people are surprised to hear he's actually named after the uh, communist leader of Yugoslavia <laughs> in the in the seventies and eighties. And so, um, our dog. I don't share all of his political views, but my dog is a <laughs> member of the Communist Party, and that's that's his choice. And so um, we we let him kind of live his own life, and that's fine. He's got the little the little hat, little commissar hat. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I asked you what you're drinking, hoping you're drinking a beer, but because um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the the wonderful seasonal beers that are available to us in Austin, Texas. So Jeremiah, what is your favorite seasonal beer from well, Austin? I've and I've I, of, I say because we're like coming on the winter season, which was when a lot of the good ones come, but it can be any time of the year. Yeah. And that's, so those are my favorite, my, like winter beers are my favorite beers. And like, I love that just sort of big flavor that they all have. And, you know, originally it was when this is years ago when Sierra Nevada's uh, Bigfoot barley wine came out. That was like my very favorite, like the first seasonal beer I got super excited about. But like I'm just such an Austin Beer Works honk for everything now too. That uh, that Sputnik I think is probably their their winter beer is probably my favorite seasonal beer. How about you? Yeah, that's I knew we were gonna have the same answer on this question, <laughs> but it's Sputnik from Austin Beer Works. And honestly, like the answer, regardless of what time of year it is. 
my answer, like what, what's the, your favorite beer in your fridge right now? The answer is almost always like whatever Austin beer works, seasonal beers available at the time. Um, so I, I think, so we just kind of passed and are at the tail end of like Oktoberfest season right now. They, Austin beer works does have a good Oktoberfest, but I think live Oaks, uh, Oktoberfest, which is called Oktoberfest is my favorite Austin one. Um, and then like you said, Sputnik is great, but, uh, I I'll say this at the risk of, of, uh, bodily harm from, from our listeners that one of my favorite, favorite winter seasonals is actually a Dallas beer from community beer called, uh, their, their kind of flagship stout is called Legion. And so they do a barrel aged Legion every winter and it's really, really good. And you can find it at, um, like the good bottle shops in Austin. So check that one out. But yeah, the, the number one is it's gotta be Sputnik. So uh, one I'll add to that, that I've liked for a long time and it's been mostly on draft is the real ale shade grown coffee porter. Their Um, coffee porter on draft. I I love, I love it on draft and in the bottle. It's okay. And I don't know if it's just, do they do it on nitro on draft or is it just, I've had it on nitro on draft too, but, um, yeah, just a regular one. I love, I, I tend to not like nitro beers, uh, on draft. And so I would prefer it to be just be regularly carbonated, but I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Uh, let's, let's jump into some Austin FC news. How about it? Let's do it. Let's talk about the Academy. Yeah. So another two weeks, I guess, since the last time we've talked about them, another two weeks of strong results. Um, the U 15s, it looks like we're the only team that played this most recent weekend and they be RGV Toros two nil. So again, they're, like we talked about a couple of episodes ago, Academy is looking really strong against some really good competition. Uh, on October 31st, I've heard that they're going to be playing FC Dallas. Uh, I'm not sure if that's in Austin or in Dallas because it's kind of difficult to find a schedule on these things. So, but we talked about this on a, a couple of shows ago that FC Dallas is like the Academy team, right? Like one of, if not the best, then at any given time, they're in the top top handful and probably over the the arc of time probably the best academy in the country and so this is going to be a really interesting result to look out for if it's in austin i'm going to try to go watch it in person and if not i'll just be looking out for for that result but that'll be an interesting result to watch out for it'll be it'll be a real real test of their progress too um do you know where they're playing now they were playing they uh, played some venue out south. So they, they played a couple of games in Leander. And then most recently, it's some fields way down south. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but um, yeah. Oh, it's we'll, called like soccer something. It's, an, it's a new project, right? That's like a dedicated like set of soccer fields. It's kind of a private thing. I don't remember the name of it, though. I think that's yeah, right. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll find it and put it in the show notes, though, um, because that that is publicly available. One thing I wanted to mention in broader MLS news is Brendan Aronson was recently sold to RB Salzburg for $6 million. And I think there's some incentives there for it to go up to $9 million. And so you have to imagine that um, Austin FC's watching that transfer and probably their mouth is watering a little bit. Like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing the right thing now, building up this strong academy system. So they can sell players like that and then use that money to strengthen their team. So hopefully this is a kind of a path that, that Austin FC follows is the, uh, the Philadelphia union route. Next set of Austin FC players we're going to talk about is our, our guys, Rodney and Cecilio. 
they played their first league match together for Guarani against um, Sol de America. It, I didn't watch this one. It looked like kind of an ugly game. I think there was a red card in the 16th minute, and then they both got yellows and were subbed off early. So uh, a red card in the 16th minute, you can't judge them too much on that one. But they do have another game coming up uh soon it'll be the day after this episode is released they're going to travel to bolivia to play bolivar on october 21st and that's the last game of the group stage of copa copa libertadores uh they've already qualified for the knockout round so really if they win this one there's a chance they could go top of the group but really the the last sets of results is just going to decide who they play in the knockout round it, i'm really hoping if we get to the knockout round there'll be the chance for some like, you know, outdoor watch parties or something just to get people together to watch some soccer. Um, again, you know, uh, the club did that once for, um, for the MLS, MLS back tournament, right? MLS we back playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, whether they do it or one of the supporters groups does it, you know, I think it's, a, it would hopefully be a good chance to see, see the guys and see the players and have some people and, you know, socially distance just to have a good time watching soccer. Cause we haven't gotten to do that very much. Yeah, and not not only watching soccer, but cheering for Austin FC players, which is not a thing that we've gotten to do yet. So that would be a really cool idea. Hope, hopefully we'll see something pop up. Um, so the MLS transfer window closes on October 29th. So there's been questions about how this transfer is going to how this transfer window is going to work in such a strange year as 2020. So do we expect to see other Austin FC signings before this this transfer window closes? Well, I mean, it's fun to talk about, but you know, the, it, they'd have to be like from MLS, right? Because almost all the other international windows are are closed. So, I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity for coming and going. So, I, I mean, I guess not. I guess it only makes sense to wait till the end of the season at this point. Because also if you sign somebody, you have to find a place for them to, to play or to hang out or to do something. Um, between now and the start of next season. So I haven't, and I know people want more players. Like as soon as we get the second player, people were already looking for the third player, but I don't see a lot of opportunity. I don't think to sign anybody else until the season's over. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, with, there's going to be a decent break. I mean, even if the season started on time, they would have a few months to, to buy players. I think the season will be started at least a little bit delayed, uh, in 2021. So, I think there's going to be a decent little uh, chunk of time for them to to be buying players. And like you said, the most countries' transfer windows are closed right now, and so they're kind of limiting themselves to where they can choose from. Also, the um, once the MS, MLS season is over with, that's where a good chunk of their roster is going to come from just because that's, that's how you have to do it in MLS. So you, you can't fill a roster of international players. It's A, against the rules, and B, very difficult to do with with the money available in the salary cap. So um, I think once the MLS season is over, you'll see a lot, a lot of moves happening pretty quickly with within MLS. And the, the people they can get from within MLS, they'll know which kind of gaps they need to fill with these international spots. And so I think in December, the the turn of the new year, and then like whenever um, Europe has their like kind of the traditional winter transfer window, I think that's we're gonna, when we're going to start seeing a lot of movement. Yeah, and there's one player that we've heard about at the end of the year, and I don't know if this is real speculation or just random Los Verdes slack speculation, but you want to talk <laughs> Gignac, which I, which I, who I believe you've also discussed a little bit 
on Twitter, maybe or online with Mike, with Mike Torres and some I other. I think folks it was too. a long time ago. I, I I think it was Mike Torres who I was asking about this, and I I had the idea. So Gignac is French. He's been playing in in Mexico since 2015. Uh, one of the best players in the league since then. One of the top goal scorers every season. Um, I I wondered if big fans of Mexican soccer. If we got a star like Gignac, would that kind of would would that be good enough for these Mexican soccer fans? Like Gignac compared to like a lower level Mexican national team star. Like I I know it's gonna be different if you get like uh Hector Herrera or someone. Like that's a, a big deal, like getting a name like that, but if it were if like the options were like a lower level Mexican national team player or Gignac, like, I'd be curious to know what, like, what the choice would be there. So maybe I'll do another one of my, um, my super scientific Twitter polls and see what the listeners think about that. But yeah, I'd, what what would you think? Do you think that would be good enough, Jeremiah, or would it not really? I think he would be. I think it's. I mean, it's. I don't see how he's that controversial of a player for MLS. I mean, I know he's a little bit older, but he's only what thirty. Two or something. Uh, thirty-four. Maybe he's he's he thirty-four now. Okay. So right. I mean, so he does fit a little bit into that, you know, aging superstar mold thing. But I mean, he he's you know not far removed from being the starting striker on a World Cup winning club, and um, he's got a lot of success. And I know I read this article. I think it was on MLSsoccer.com about how uh, T Grace is convinced that there's some grand conspiracy that he's this he he's engaged with MLS to try to get him to America. So maybe there's an opportunity there. But I mean, I think. Depending upon how the rest of the roster is constructed, I mean, I, I'd like to see him. He's a very handsome man. We'd, we'd, he we'd is. a good start there. Yeah, very handsome French man. We'd have a, a handsome off between him and um, and Giroud. A handsome off of <laughs> of uh, French strikers who are maybe too old to spend as much money as you would have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true too. I mean, Lord knows how much he costs. You know, and what how yeah. the finances that works out. Yeah, that that's the real question is if you get him for the right price, of course, go for it. But who knows what that price is going to be. Um, another way that MLS teams can get players is through the expansion draft. So we have zero details about the expansion draft, like if there's even going to be one this year. But generally, the way it works is uh, teams are able to protect 11 players and then their homegrown players are also automatically protected. And then all the players who are not protected, the expansion team gets to go through the league and choose five players uh, from, from these teams and essentially just to, to build up their roster without having to pay a bunch of money. So we found this, uh, this article by a guy named Tim Jones out of Philadelphia, who he wrote an article about Austin FC's expansion draft, specifically thinking about the Philadelphia Union and which players they would be protecting. So I thought this was a, a pretty interesting thing, A, for him to do, and then B, for someone like like us to read. Yeah, it was out of all the places in the world to find that. It, it was pretty interesting. And he does, he breaks down what? He's got all, yeah, every, everybody he believes they would protect, everybody believes that they, that they would expose. He's got comments on all of them. It's a really well researched article I, w- I wish that fans of every team would write articles like this to get us excited about <laughs> yeah. and he even talks about um 
in here sort of express preferences of Claudio Reyna and how some of these people would or wouldn't fit into the system. So I would recommend everybody will definitely put this in the show notes. Everybody give it a read. But do you want to jump down to the end and kind of give give folks the uh, conclusion of the article? Which I yeah, think is so really that we're not going to get anybody in the, from Philadelphia in his scheme. He, yeah, he goes through, it's it's a pretty long article and kind of goes through the reasoning of how expansion drafts work and what Reyna has said. And so if you just want to learn a bit more of, of kind of expansion draft strategy, again, I would, we would recommend this article. But at the end, he has a guess of what's going to happen. And he mentions a 19-year-old player named Axel Picasso. Um, he moved with his family from Mexico City to Austin while he was a teenager and then played for Lone Star Soccer Club here in Austin and then left to play at the Philly Philadelphia Union Academy in 2016. And so this this guy Tim Jones his prediction is that there's going to be some kind of like backroom deal where Austin FC buys this player, this 17-year-old player um and in in exchange for playing ball they're going to not choose any players off of the Philadelphia Union's roster in the expansion draft, which uh, he he claims himself that it's probably a harebrained idea, but it would be it's an interesting thing to think about and like something weird that definitely happens in MLS sometimes. So it's not that far fetched to of a thing that could happen. Yeah, it's a very MLS experience. I mean, in you know, eighteen what nine? He's nineteen, nineteen year old midfielders. Mexican background and some history here in Austin. Like that seems like a pretty good addition to the, to the squad. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do like some kind of special show on the expansion draft whenever we have the details about it, because that's, that's going to be a big moment. Like you don't always get great players out of the expansion draft, but um, most recently uh, LAFC got um, Tyler Miller and Latif blessing out of the expansion draft. So two guys who started with them whenever they were arguably the best the best team in MLS history. So we, we're we probably not going to get a bunch of superstars, but if we can get one or two guys who can regularly give something to the team, then yeah, it's definitely worth it. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that and, and keeping you guys posted. So there's recently been some drama regarding the supporter shield. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Jeremiah? I will be happy to do that. And first of all, the Supporters' Shield, like I did not know a whole lot about it until last year, um, is the is the award that goes to the team with the best regular season record every year in MLS, and it's presented by the supporters groups from and they they travel from one to the other. I ended up being in LA last year when LAFC won it, and they had I don't remember who who would, who won the Shield the year before. I don't remember, but. They had represent- uh, would have been Toronto or Seattle. <laughs> it's always it's always a good guess. They had representatives from no, the supporters. No, they, they didn't win the supporters' shield, though. Oh, I don't know. Atlanta or um, Red Bull. Oh, it would have to be probably. Atlanta, right? The year before? The I year before think. LAFC would have been Atlanta. Yeah. I think that so was the had- year they, they... I think that's right. Listeners, tell us if we're wrong. We don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We, we don't watch much soccer. But they had the Atlanta people, and they presented it to representatives of the LA supporters' groups. It was really... It is a really cool tradition, and then there's the spot in the um, CONCACAF Champions League that goes along with it, too. But recently, so the Supporters' Shield is is um, run by the Supporters' Shield Foundation, which is a five-member group. It's a subset of the Independent Supporters' Council, which is this association of all the supporters groups across the league. And they announced a couple days ago that they were not going to award a Supporters' Shield in 2020 
just because of COVID and all the things that had gone on. And they met with, um, I would say, extremely strong and negative reactions from both players and coaches um, there. So I saw that uh, Bedoya from uh, Philadelphia, we were just talking about, uh, decided that, I think he tweeted out that maybe it was just time to move on from the concept overall and, and do something else. And then one of the coaches too, which coach was it? It was Greg Vanny from Toronto. Yeah, he got Toronto. Who, who would be in position to... Yeah, be the recipient of it, right? Yeah, very strong position to be the recipient of it, recipient of it. So, um, yeah, and like I think the the strongest, like the main reason why they don't want to give it out this year is because not all the teams have played the same amount of games, and that's probably going to be the case at the end of the season with all of the games getting canceled due to positive COVID tests. Um, also teams are not playing balanced schedules. Like they're kind of playing in these little round robin sets a few weeks at a time. And so some teams are playing really easy teams over and over, whereas other teams are having to play tougher teams more often. And so I like from a, like a fairness standpoint, I get it, but like, (laughs) this is, it's been a tough year guys. Like Let's yeah. just do something that's going to make somebody happy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's it's fine. Like this whole year is just going to be one big asterisk. And so if we can do something that's going to make someone happy this year, like in another year, I would maybe be a little bit more for doing like the more fair thing. But this year, just just give it to someone. Give, give someone a just trophy. Give, someone deserves a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 has been such a mess. Just go for it. So I did read a couple hours ago, and this probably will change by the time that we, by the time this episode comes out, that they are new information has come to light, which I guess that new information being them getting hammered all over Twitter by everybody. probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else they wouldn't have known. And so they're, they're looking at, they're re-examining that decision and the possibility that they may award the shield this year. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> they found out that Bradley Wright Phillips uh, arms and legs are only held on by the force of the supporters shield. (laughs) And if they don't give it to someone, he'll just fall apart. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, that's one possibility, but I think the more, the more probable one is, (laughs) is what Jeremiah said that they got angry people on Twitter. So don't, don't, don't underestimate angry people on Twitter. (laughs) They're pretty powerful sometimes. Uh, Jeremiah, you got to do something cool over the last week. What was it? Yeah, so uh, my company bought uh, field seats to for the stadium, which is really which is really cool. But one of the things that they were the club's been doing is giving tours on Sunday mornings to premium season ticket holders, and so we had the chance to go out with a couple folks and get actually Weston Applefeller ended up being our tour guide, which is totally <laughs> a surprise. But he came up, he asked how the downloads were doing on the podcast, told him they were great, most successful show ever, <laughs> right? But don't don't ask me about that. Um, and so we got to spend a lot of time near the field, but yeah, he walked us all around and, and showed us a lot of cool stuff. Um, on the field side of things, so the irrigation's in, the sand's in, like everything is there uh, for the turf to be ready. And actually, Anthony Precourt tweeted out on Sunday that the turf is going to be installed starting later this week. And they had like one little, it's not a square, I don't know what you call it, like one rectangular piece of sod. Yeah, like I a, saw a picture of that yeah. someone posted on Twitter, but uh, yeah. There, there's one Did out there. Say what that was for? Yeah, it was to make sure that the height on the sand was right, so it was like going to be level with the field. And then also they they put a um, there was a hole in the middle for a sprinkler head because they had to make sure that the sprinkler head was were going to be it come sort of at the right level up and down to to not like stick up too high, but also be high enough to irrigate the grass. So it's like a was, test test strip. 
That was a question that, so I asked, um, I think my dad asked me about this whenever I was telling him about interviewing Weston and he was asking about the sprinkler heads. So are the sprinkler heads going to be in like in the middle of the field somewhere? Yeah, they're in a grid. So you can see, you can see them all around. Um, now you could probably even where they are before they put the turf on, you can see them on the camera and we could definitely see them in the layout, like from the stadium, but they're, yeah, they're all inside the field and they come up just, you know, just enough, um, to water the grass, but I mean, not enough to be in the way so that you're not like tripping over them. So it's, it's yeah. really interesting, but you can see the grid laid out. What else did you learn on your stadium tour? So we saw the, the, uh, grow lights. If you remember, he talked, Weston talked when we interviewed him about the lights that they have. They're like the, the premier league, um, lights, the supplemental grow lights they have to put on the field. Cause there are parts of it that won't see sun for like six months, I think. And so he said that those will 10 days after turf installation, they'll start putting those on. Um, there's a bunch of like finish elements going on. Like there's some glass work and there's like green on the North building and some of the, uh, suites and stuff are getting finished out. So it's starting to look like a real stadium. Some of the brackets are going in for the seating, like all on the East side. So that's good. Um, we saw this random, this is the the thing that he said he gets asked the most about. There's like a random ladder right in the middle of the field at the exact <laughs> midpoint, which you can see if you go on the construction cam. Um, and it was the first thing I asked, and he said it's the most common one, and it's just it's a, for a, it's for Andy Lochnane just to go out and stand on every once in a while and just look at the field, just look at the, just sur- survey it from above, yeah, or yeah. like a what do you like the band leader like at a college band, oh. you have a guy like <laughs> yeah. on the ladder the, doing that. No, it's it's where all the um like the surveyors and stuff like point their lasers at that, which is supposed to be like the exact midpoint of the field so that, you know, <laughs> so that everything's calibrated, right? You think very, they'd have like a tool or something for that instead <laughs> of just putting a ladder out there. Yeah. And I guess it will change. Um, when the, he said it would change when the turf was in, so I guess ladders are bad for turf. I don't know but that, <laughs> but that was going to go out. And then we got to see, and we'll talk about this, I think a little bit more, but we got to see where the stadium store was going to be. Um, and kind of the whole redo that they had done over the North building. So stadium store, the second floor of the stadium store, which goes into the beer hall, which I think is probably a smart move so they can get people, you know, good and liquored up and send them <laughs> yeah. back out through the gift shop. <laughs> Exit through um, the gift shop always. Of course. But they were saying probably by like the end of November, it'll look a whole lot like a stadium, like a bunch of the, you know, the grass will be in, some of the seating will be in, you know, it'll, it'll look a lot like, um, what it'll look like on opening day. And then it's, it'll just be a matter of finishing out concessions and concourses and, and all those kinds of things. So it was really cool to get the inside view. So they've now completed laying down the the grass at the um, the training center. Is that right? Are they yeah, finished yeah, with they, it or are they still doing it? No, they finished it. Well, they finished the first two big pitches. There's like five right. total yeah, yeah. going in. But yeah, the two big ones were in. Um, I think they Which got- I think answered a question that we had on a on an early episode of the Capital City Soccer Show, which is what is a mega pitch? And I think <laughs> the right. answer is two pitches that are right next to each other, which I learned like the other day, a super pitch is what it's called a super pitch. And it was a super tweet pitch. from Austin FC saying the super pitch is done. It's like, Oh, that's what it is. It's just, it's just two pitches next to each other. It sounds a lot cooler when it's a super pitch. Oh, one of the other things from the actual stadium, um, is they were trying, they want to create this impression that one well, of the impression, like that the seats are like right on top of the grass um, but they also don't want to maintain a bunch of extra grass. So there actually be maybe six or eight yards of artificial turf um, on the on the outside of the grass, like toward the stands. 
So when you have seats, it goes from like seats to turf to grass. They don't have to maintain like the grass all the way out to where the stadium starts. So the yeah, that makes sense. It'll be a few inches off, like off the edge, and there'll be like a line for the for the refs to run. But there'll be so it'll be stadium, artificial turf, then seashore past Ballum, platinum number <laughs> whatever it was. You know, did you, did you notice the uh, the 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 turf farm uh, tweeted out the exact name of it after the last show when they retweeted yeah, our, yeah, yeah. our episode. <laughs> Uh, I think it is TCP Platinum Paspalum. There you go. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong. Anyway, so one other article that we found uh, about Austin FC getting involved in the local community was, um, it's a little bit different than than what we're used to seeing, but Jordan Anke, uh, who is the... It's a VP of Stadium Operations, I believe. Yeah, something of stadium operations for Austin FC. Uh, Attended a meeting at the North Austin Civic Association, which is, uh, it's like a neighborhood association, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Jeremiah? It's it's an association of neighborhood associations. Okay. It's it's the boss of neighborhood associations. Yeah, it's all all the neighborhoods around McCalla, right? Because there's Gracie Woods, there's other ones. The North Austin Civic Association is sort of the convening association of those. Yeah, so I thought this, this document was interesting because like, a lot of the stuff we read is like a press release or some story being written about it. And there's some like kind of spin to it from someone and they want you to know something about it. But this was just like the meeting minutes from this meeting. Right. So we got to see just like, this is what happened at this meeting, which was interesting in and of itself. But, um, what, what did we learn from, from this neighborhood association meeting, Jeremiah? Yeah, well, we learned, I mean, at first we didn't go into this a lot, but we learned that, you know, all the things that we've heard about of the being, the things that neighbors are worried about, right? Sound, traffic, all that stuff are concerns. And I always love these minutes because it's like Fred wanted to know about the egress plan. For, <laughs> yeah. So we, we spared all those. But I mean, I think it's really cool that we're months out and that they followed through on this commitment to like stay engaged in the community and be a good neighbor. And you definitely got that out of out of the meeting minutes. Um, one of the first things he talked about, or that were in the notes, because we don't know the order that he talked, was about them staying directly in connection with the neighborhood associations in real time with the stadium command center and things were going on at the stadium, like on match nights and things like that. So that that was really um, positive for them to make that commitment and to make it months out. Yeah, we also saw they mentioned the um, like the rideshare drop off, which is. Uh, the street where Jeremiah and I have met up a few times and put lawn chairs on the street to have beers outside the stadium. Uh, but I think, is it called Donnelly? Is that what that, that one street is called? Yeah. So it's, th- so it's, it's all th- It's got three D names. It's Donnelly's what you turn on and then it becomes Delta okay. for a little bit. And then it becomes Denton on the way back out. Okay. But it's, it's a loop of three streets, but yeah, that's always been the talk about where they would put the, um, the rideshare spot, but we've been there. There's a cat Metro track in the way between that and the stadium. They talked a little bit about how they were going to have to work around that. Right. Yeah. I remember whenever, um, the, the experience center was open and they had like supporter night at the experience center up at the Austin FC offices. And some of the sales people were kind of showing you the little mini model of the stadium and one of them told me, like, this is the street where the rideshare drop-off is going to be. And we were asking, like, okay, where will you go? To, like, how do you get to the stadium? And you'll have to walk up to Breaker and cross the train tracks at Breaker. And from this, these meeting minutes, it sounds like that's going to be the case still, most likely, is 
um, they're they're talking about putting fencing up so that stupid soccer fans don't try to jump across the train track to get to a soccer stadium, which is which probably they will. A, very, a very good yeah, idea. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we actually we absolutely will try to do this. <laughs> and so that's something good to see. Um, and then maybe at some point there will be like a way to cross at a train station. Do you think that might be a possibility? Yeah. So the station's part of the plan for Project Connect. Um, and um, Weston pointed out that it will be super close if if this passes and when it gets built, it's a hundred yards from from the the side of the stadiums where the station is going to will be. So if this passes and it gets built, I mean, it'll be a year or two, but it'll be an amazing um, access point. It'll be it'll be it'll be um, it'll be so good. Is there? Would you be able to explain to me and to listeners where exactly that station would be? So on the east side of the stadium, there's that area because um, where they're going to have eventually like the amphitheater mm-hmm. um, and all that. Remember, there's the deal about the East Club, which will be open during games. Will be open both to the stadium side and then also to the other side. Right. Where the track runs right across, right through there, and the station will be like right there. Okay, so just right up against that street, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll yeah, be, that it'll would be, be there. amazing if if that if that comes through, which um, is one more one more plug. There's still another week and a half or two weeks of voting, so uh, Jeremiah and I would like to encourage you to vote in favor of Proposition A because that will help us get that uh, that train stop at the stadium. So, little plug there. And somebody, as somebody who lives very close to the to a red line station, I'm very passionate about that issue. <laughs> What else we got, Jeremiah? They just did some, there was just some other good neighbor stuff. You know, they talked about doing park cleanup and I know the club is really committed to paying extra attention to the parks and libraries and schools sort of around the stadium. So that was good to hear that they were doing. Um, and they talked a lot about um, using the neighborhoods, neighbors as eyes and ears and being good neighbors from the start. And, you know, for our listeners and us, they intend to influence band behavior at the start rather than dealing with problems after the fact. And I feel like that was maybe directly connected to some, to some of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, like you, you mentioned this a bit earlier, but I think the main takeaway from it is that um, during the whole political process of getting Austin FC here and like actually getting the city to agree to having a soccer team here, there were a lot of promises made by Austin FC and made to people like these neighborhood associations and to city council members who represent these neighborhoods. And, um, I, I think they've done a good job of, of keeping to their promises. And this is just another one that they've done. And so even though like, this is not a thing that affects most of us, it'll, it'll affect some of these people who live in these neighborhoods. I think it's just, it's a good, another good sign in a, in a string of many recently that points towards, Austin FC wanting to be a good neighbor to Austin. And so, um, we'll, we'll have to keep them honest on that sometimes I'm sure, but there it's, it's really good signs that we're seeing now. So speaking of, uh, Austin FC, good stuff. They've been killing it on video Yeah, they over have. the last week. Yeah. So the first one was the, uh, what did they call it? It was like grow the, throw the drum beat, something like that. Very good. I don't remember exactly what it was called. It was a, <laughs> it was people we knew at the stadium smacking a drum. Yeah, and it was real cool. If if that doesn't make your make your tail wag, then I don't know what <laughs> will. That was that was pretty cool. And with with the of course a McConaughey voiceover over the top of it, which makes it even better. 
Yeah, I, I was talking with somebody, it was Brock Williams uh, the other day. What an amazing asset they have to have like McConaughey around right? to voice over everything <laughs> they have. And then like, and then Adrian Healy is the backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want something like uh, like inspiring that, or fun, then you can do McConaughey. And if you want something kind of classy sounding, you can go with Healy. Yeah, they, they can't lose. I can't imagine hearing both of those voices together, though. That would be like too incongruous because <laughs> one of them is very Texas and one of them is very England. Yeah, I, I remember somebody uh, mentioning the way that Adrian said the word taco on the, the fan call a few weeks ago. So Taco. Taco maybe, would be Maybe exactly. McConaughey can do some dialect coaching with Adrian before the season starts. <laughs> For sure. And then the other... So the next thing they did was this Verde Listos... Uh, series, which I think they're actually going to turn into TV spots and billboards and things like that. And those were um, just different artists. And I believe there was like the pit master at Valentina's Tex-Mex and yeah, Shaky lo- Grave. local businesses, local yeah. artists, local um, legends, the word that they would use. But yeah, Shaky Graves, uh, pit master Valentina's, um, the, the woman who started, uh, Fort Lonesome, which is the, the people who made that original Austin FC flag and kind of stitched that first logo. Shaky Graves was at the Continental Club. And so they, they really are, um, doubling down on this, like reaching into Austin lore and Austin culture and really trying to put these roots down into the community and, and building it from that. And I, I had like, um, Kevin Morris, who a lot of you will know on Twitter, he's pretty active in Austin FC and MLS Twitter, but he was saying that he he didn't think that this kind of marketing stuff would be as effective if we had like a, a typical American mascot, like we're the Austin Cougars or something. He thinks that this type of marketing would be less effective. And this is something that I've said since since they announced the name is that Austin, like a lot of people don't like the FC naming convention. It's, it's too generic or too boring or whatever, but it allows to, it allows us to do stuff like this and to, um, to, to grow this culture and to grow the lore of the club. Like as we go, it's not just said, okay, you're the Cougars now. This is what we do. It's okay. We're Austin FC. There's a tree thing, but there's a lot of these gaps that we get to fill in along the way. And they get to fill in, be filled in by shaky graves and by the these like Austin legends and these these big characters on the Austin landscape. That those things get to be created as we go, and I, I think that's exciting. There's like something really good about that, and you see it with with European soccer teams, like all these legends that have been built around these teams that have nothing to do with with the mascot or the name of the team or anything. So I, I think that's this is this is another example of of that being true and kind of coming to fruition is that we we get to build this culture and the community gets to build this culture and um it'll be exciting to see how that happens over the over the years yeah it's and these both were really well done it's just a ongoing testament to how much they've upped their like video and digital game lately and then to what you just said like they've done a really good job of plugging into Austin we talked about this with the Butler brothers, like plugging into Austin in a real, like an authentic way and not in a stereotypical, like, I mean, they, it's not like they don't have Willie Nelson and Stevie Ray Vaughan and you know, that whole scene, like as part of it, but it's not just that, right. It's not just like this real superficial right. view it's not of the Austin two culture. dimensional version of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they they do a good job of seeking out people that are that are doing real work. So kudos to them for making that happen. All right. Is is there anything else we want to cover, Jeremiah? No, I think we've covered everything that we, that we need to for this week. All right, cool. We want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We also would encourage you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com, where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. And I'd like to remind you all or let you know that Austin Soccer Foundation is holding hosting a foot golf tournament um, on November 8th. Uh, it's open to supporters groups of all types, and they mean it. You know, I think they've, they've talked to the Austin FC ones, to the local Premier League teams. Um, they have a really cool-looking armadillo trophy that they're handing out <laughs> yeah. to the winner, uh, to the winning team. So you can check out austinsoccerfoundation.org or find them on Twitter or Facebook for more information. Um, we just mentioned a little bit earlier that you can still vote. Um, early voting in Texas lasts through October 30th. Uh, you can check out votetexas.gov for a link to your county clerk's website and early voting locations. And if you're in Austin... Uh, Tony Cardoni from Austin Anthem and I worked on AustinSoccerVotes.org, which is your information um, on supporting Proposition A and Proposition B, the mobility bonds. That was a fun project. We also wrote blog posts about voting, um, but apparently that's not very interesting to people because like mine had maybe <laughs> 60 views or something. So it's okay. It's a passion project. All right. We will be back soon with more Austin FC and MLS news. And I think on the next show, we're going to have an interview with Mateo Clark from La Murga de Austin, who's going to talk about the what the group has in store for Macala Place and the game day environment that they're going to create. So until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Is around.